This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. How's it going, everyone? It's Luke Munger with Dogman.com, joined by legendary intern Jack McCauley. Jack, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, man. I, 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 it's been midterm week for me, so went through that fest, you know, today, yesterday, Tuesday. Then today, uh, just a little bit before, I got out on a five-mile run, rejuvenate, get the energy going. Felt good yeah. to do that, get outside while it's not raining, even though that'll probably come in a little bit. Going to the Dogs Wyoming game tonight should be fun. Awesome, living the dream. Living the dream. Uh, say. Well, yeah, <laughs> uh, awesome. Well, obviously, a lot has changed in Husky Nation since we last chatted. Uh, just really quickly, uh, Jimmy Lake relieved of his duties. Um, any kind of thoughts on just what's kind of evolved on Mont Lake? Yeah, first of all, I think I think we got to recognize too what Jimmy's done for the program. You know, take a look at. How, how great of a job he was as a defensive coordinator and all that. With that being said, I was not surprised one bit by the news. I think it was trending that way all week, especially after the Oregon game and that, you know, that incident and the suspension, just everything was leading up to him being released in the near future. So I wasn't surprised at that news at all. Um, you know, as far as coaching staff, it, next coach goes, it seems like it's kind of a uh, crapshoot who they'll hire, but I'm not surprised one bit by Jimmy being fired. I think it was the right move by Jen Cohen to do that. I think this is, it's better to, I think it was his time to go essentially. I think the the program kind of ran its course and I don't think from what I've been hearing inside the locker room, I don't think it was, I don't think the locker room had his back the last couple of games. And I think he kind of lost them. And if you're losing a locker room, you know, in your second year as a head coach, I don't think that's a good sign at all. And I think they made the right move and letting him go. So Hopefully, new coach comes in and is able to regroup this locker room because there is so much talent here. And I, I, I'm one of those people that's a firm believer that if you get the right coach, UW is a is a gold mine waiting to be struck with everything going on in Seattle, the recruiting and all that bit. Yeah, for sure. Kind of similarly, I think uh, regardless of whether it was the right call or not, I think it was a, a sad day uh, where the Jimmy era came to an end. Obviously, Jimmy Lake was responsible for a lot of what's made UW great over the past decade or so, Um, you know, with a number of defensive back prospects that he's developed and put into the NFL. He was the architect of a great defense for a while. Well-liked. I really enjoyed chatting with Jimmy uh, during interviews, even back to when he was a defensive backs coach. So, yeah. 100%. Uh, Really nice guy. Really nice guy. He's just real personable. Obviously, yeah, like you're saying, it's just sad, you know, sad it had to end that way and he did so much for the program by the time he was here. Awesome. Yeah, for sure. I think another thought that I wanted to add, and then maybe we can get into just a little bit about what the search will be like, but uh, 
I just try to keep reminding myself this the last time the Huskies didn't know who their next head coach was going to be. Chris Peterson came basically knocking and like looking for the job. Obviously that is an extraneous, I don't know, circumstance or maybe not necessarily a likely or like likely to happen again. But I think it's a reminder of how great of a job Washington is, how well respected it is. Um, so Husky fans worried about the search. I just keep reminding myself of that. The, like the last time the Huskies didn't know who their head coach was, be one of the best coaches in the country came knocking. So, yeah. Uh, exactly. Jack, with that in mind, we talked about doing this before the show. Give me a candidate you would like and a candidate you think is very likely. I think the guy that I, if I could choose one guy that I'd like the most, I think I would like Matt Campbell. Everybody's calling for big game, Bob. And, you know, obviously who wouldn't like to have big game, Bob, but um, Matt Campbell's so young. And if you can get him here, uh, we saw what he did to Iowa state. We were talking, me and Luke talked a little bit about this before the store, before the, before the show as well. But Iowa state is nearly impossible to recruit to, you know, they're three and nine for like three, four five years before he, he got there, which is basically a cupcake in out, which is basically two cupcake out of conferences teams that you beat. And then maybe an income, you know, it's like maybe a Kansas. Yeah. It's like, it's like you beat Kansas and then you beat Southwestern state, you know, you play like yeah, Dixie state or something. Yeah. And, yeah. and then you go beat, and then you beat like the Kent state goal. You know, you beat Kent. State. It's like, that's Golden flashes. That's what they are doing before that. And then last year they're nine and three this year. He brings in a top 20 recruiting class. It's like bringing in a guy like that is so big for a program. Cause you can see what he, it's, it's similar to Chris Peterson. Like he turned that ship around at Boise state. And he made Boise State something like that's what Matt Campbell is doing at Iowa State right now. And to get someone who's young, has energy, has everybody else knocking on the door. I mean, everybody wants him for a reason. You know, get him here. He plays a good style of football. If they can get him, I would be, I, I'd be floored. That would be a, an amazing. That's a home run hire. Absolutely, yeah. So obviously, you mentioned everybody wants big name Bob. I guess another one that I will go to is uh, Dave Aranda is a name that's been thrown around, not necessarily saying it's likely, uh, but you know, Dave Aranda, he is from California. He went to undergrad at Cal Lutheran. He grew up in Kern County, California. So there is a West Coast tie there. Um, additionally, he inherited a Baylor team that originally was two and seven his first year there. And he's turned it around to make this team eight and two. Most recently, just a beat down of Oklahoma. Um, and I loved the three seconds left in the game, up 10, kicking a field goal that he did to Oklahoma to kind of send a message to Lincoln Riley, who was freaking out yeah. <laughs> uh, about the uh, about there being time for one more play on the clock, even when it was a two-possession game. I thought that was awesome. I like his energy. Uh, obviously, national champion at LSU as a coordinator, um, and that's just another name. Now, Jack, a likely name? Yeah, most likely, I think – if I just say, you know, like we, like I kind of said earlier, I think it is this, – this hiring process right now is a bit of a crapshoot. I don't think anybody really knows what is going on. But if I had to say a likely name – this is a guy who I wouldn't mind having either. I don't think he'd be my first pick, but I think he's a guy who could do some damage here at the program. And I think that's Kalani Satake. Mm -hmm. um, I think he's done – you know, he's done a fantastic job at BYU these last couple years. Um, granted, he had the number two overall pick last year. But this year, they're 4-0 against Pac-12 teams. Um, I think, you know, you got – I think for him too, you know what, you know that West Coast has a has a big poly culture, big ties there. And they get him. Washington already is done, does really well with poly kids. I think they'd be, you know, the pipeline to Hawaii 
Cal- California Poly kids, I think would be outstanding. I think he'd be a great recruiter. A lot of West Coast ties, obviously. Um, I, I think I think I think I think Satake is a guy too who you know Washington is definitely a step up from BYU, and you know he's done well enough to you know where they can make that move. And so I I would I don't mind them going after him. Obviously, there's a couple names I like more, but I would be definitely pleased with the Satake hire. It wouldn't be obviously something I'm, as some would say, jumping into Drumheller Fountain about, but. It's, yeah. something, it's something I it's something I like, and it's something uh, I, I think would be good for the program. And I think he I think he has a high upside here. I think a lower floor, but high upside. Yeah, I honestly I would agree with you. That was going to be the name I was going to suggest. So I was hoping you'd have another one to throw out there. Um, but nevertheless, we'll also now step into our Colorado game preview. Uh, the Huskies taking on the three and seven Buffs, fighting for bowl eligibility. It's still alive. Um. So I guess I will start on the offensive side of the ball for Colorado. Uh, the name you need to know is Jarek Broussard. Jarek Broussard is a rock-solid player. He is a running back that over the course of his career at um, at Colorado has averaged over five yards per carry. This year he's down at 4.8, which is not low, um, but I think it also speaks to the fact that uh, BYU is, I think, around 109th or 110th in tackles for loss allowed. Their offensive line has not been particularly effective at creating alleys for Jarek Broussard to run, uh, but he's still super good. Honestly, he reminds me of Miles Gaskin in ways. He's 5'9", 185 pounds, about a similar size, very patient. Uh, and when he sees a crease, he hits it hard. He's not necessarily like a bulldozer back there, but he runs heavier than you'd expect a guy of his size to. Um, yeah. And for all of those things, I, I, Jarek Broussard is the guy who you name you need to know on the offensive side of the ball at quarterback. They have Brendan Lewis. Brendan Lewis, I think is a little misutilized at Colorado uh, in his first game in college. It was the Alamo bowl against Texas. And he had nine carries for 81 yards and a touchdown. And then the first two games of the season this year, he t- totaled 120 rushing yards on the ground. Uh, and since then, he's only ran for over 15 yards once in a game. He's a pretty dynamic runner, but they just don't call his name. Part of that might be because the offensive line has not been very good. Um, and they just aren't able to open up holes for him. Or by the time that he like is deciding to pull it down, he's getting sacked. Uh, but he is a dynamic runner. It's something that the Huskies should be mindful of. As a thrower, he, they don't throw it a lot, honestly. He's pretty safe with the ball, 10 touchdowns in 10 games, just three interceptions. But they only throw it about 21 times a game, and he's only thrown for over 200 yards twice this season. Uh, so the Huskies – stop me if you've heard this before, but the Huskies against this offense need to pack the box, force them to throw the ball, blah, blah, blah. I think that's a part right. we've said that all year, right? <laughs> yeah. And then uh, their best pass catcher is a freshman wideout, Brendan Rice. 6-3, dynamic target downfield, but he also is skilled with the ball in his hands. Uh, they can get it to him, and he's wiggly on screen passes and routes underneath, but also can go downfield. Uh, Daniel Arias and Dimitri Stanley kind of rind out the receiving core. Uh, and then junior tight end Brady Russell is involved in the passing game. Uh, but, yeah, Rice and Russell, so Rice the freshman receiver and Russell the tight end, have combined for 41 receptions. They're the only two buffs with 20 receptions this season. They really just don't throw the ball that much, uh, and they're not super effective through the air. Uh, like the Huskies, if they are able to 
even slowed down Jarek Broussard, the Huskies will be in a good spot on Saturday against an offense that is averaging 17 or is it 19 points per game? My apologies. Hey, yeah, um, you know, like you, you like you know, the theme of the this is the theme of the year for Washington. You got to pack the box. Uh, Washington has obviously struggled against those bigger backs, Zach Charbonnet, BJ Baylor, um, mm-hmm. even last week against Arizona State, the guy there. Do you think you know? You mentioned the size. Do you think, do you think Washington will have a? Uh, do you think they'll have a bit more of an advantage just because they've struggled, or they'll do better? I guess not an advantage, necessarily an advantage. They'll do better against against a smaller, elusive back rather than a big bulldozing back that's gave them trouble. Yeah, I, I think the Huskies are in a good spot there. I think Tuli Watuli Nasanoa, Sam Taimani, Voitinufi, uh are physical enough and get enough penetration that they should be able to make a difference against this defensive line. My concern is that things won't be bottled up to the outside. It's been kind of a struggle area for the Huskies at times this year, limiting runs kind of outside the tackle. Um, that said, I think if the Huskies are, are really mindful of trying to keep things between the tackles uh, and not break and contain, I think they can slow Jarek Broussard down a lot, and I do think they have the advantage in the trenches over Colorado. Yeah, that, I mean, I think that's really important for Washington to be able to stop the run, something they have not done all year whatsoever. Um, you know, it doesn't seem like you said, they're not going to be throwing the ball that much. Uh, Wash, you know, you mentioned their offensive line where, you know, and w- Washington being able to can- t- contain those outside edges. How do you think Washington has to be able to do that? Because their outside linebackers haven't been able to hold the edge. So how would you recommend Washington being able to get that uh, advantage? You know, that's a good question. Um, like, obviously I- I'm sure it's something that they're coaching up and keying in on this week. Um, it, it just it goes down to disciplined eyes. They've got some young guys along the defensive line. Uh, for example, Braylon Trice, Cooper McDonald's are relatively young in their career. Savelle Smalls, uh, ZTF, dynamic pass rusher, still relatively young and missed most of this year. Um, so, yeah, uh, Coach Malloy, who handles the outside linebackers, I think will uh, – and used to be along the defensive line. Uh, I think he'll just have his guys keyed in on it this week. And it all comes down to discipline dies. Yeah, totally. Makes sense. Uh, passing game. Um, do, you, do you want Washington to bring down their safeties and let their cornerbacks do their thing to, you know, get the box loaded up? Or what, what do you think in there? Yes, I, I do. I think, uh, again, Brendan Lewis, talented quarterback. He hasn't been super dynamic passing the ball. Um, but he has the ability to take shots deep. I would – like to see him complete a few of those before the Huskies really start to freak out about Colorado's ability to beat him over the top. I think, like I mentioned, there are a couple of solid receivers. Uh, Brendan Rice is the one that stands out, but I like the chances of Trent McDuffie and Kyler Gordon against anybody Colorado has to offer. Uh, So frankly, yes, I think stuff that box, maybe have a single high safety uh, and just make, Colorado beat you through the air because I'm not there's nothing that I've seen this year that makes me think that they can certainly totally agree with you there uh, all right we're gonna move over to the defensive side of the ball right now Colorado a Georgia former Georgia Southern coach Tyson Summers is out there heading up the defense for this buff team uh, he they are averaging just over 27 points a game this season and looking at like when you go back and look at some of the scores that they've had this year this has to be one of the more inconsistent, hot and cold defenses in the country, for that matter. You know, you look at early in the season, they, they have a 10-7 game against Texas A&M, one of the best teams in the nation. And then, you know, you go across to 
other games like Oregon and UCLA and you're just get they're just getting pounded 40 30 you know 40 plus points 50 plus points and you're just like well what is what is going on here like what what's happening and a uh, part of that you know they did lose their best player he was a projected all-american this season Nate Landerman he is he is playing mm-hmm. four less games than everybody else but still leads the team in tackles that's how good he is he should not be around for this it's it's a crazy stat but um he's not going to be around for for this game. He's, he looks like he won't be ready to go. Uh, Quinn Perry, he's their other guy at linebacker. He has 49 tackles this season. Um, but without Landerman, Colorado has just not been able to stop the run and everything that's thrown in front of them in that linebacker area with tight ends has been very bad. Uh, Landerman, it was the heart and soul of that defense. He's He was the engine that, that kept it running, so... You know, we obviously don't know the status of Kate Otten going into this game, but Devin Culp, I think if he's able to have a good game, Washington should be able to be just fine. You know, getting him over the middle and then also running the ball, um, you know, that that's what Washington, I think, needs to try and, you know, do because if they're able to get that down, you know, their safeties already play pretty relatively inside. Those are the two best players on the field without Landerman, um, and that's Mark Perry and Isaiah Lewis. Um they they are they each have 55 54 tackles on the season respectively they're second and third guys and they they play, they play relatively farther down compared to most safeties they're real good at finding the ball and they're good at you know tackling in space nothing really gets beat behind them per se but then you go outside to the cornerbacks and for Colorado that's just where it gets so 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 dicey for them uh, they got a freshman corner Christian Gonzalez on one side and Makai Blackman a junior on the other and Washington after watching their two corners, they really have to throw the ball too. They got to go deep. And I think if you're going to take deep shots, this is the team to do to get Christian Gonzalez. You watch some of his film and you can tell he's a young player. He bites so hard on those double moves. Uh, you know, Romo Dunze and Jamin McMillan are two real are two of the best for Washington to do that. So, you know, you get them faking inside turning out, going up the sideline. I think that's where you're going to be able to beat Colorado with those safeties playing over the middle and kind of down to contain that run game that has kind of been lackluster for Colorado uh, since Landerman's loss. So I think if they're able to do that, mix things up, you know, get creative in the passing game, take some shots, and then also just be pretty consistent in the running game, pretty consistent with getting those short throws over the middle. I think Washington could have a pretty good day offensively. Um, Up front for the Buffs are two of their bigger two bigger defensive tackles, Jalen Sammy and Mustafa Johnson. In my opinion, one of the best names in the Pac-12. Pretty sick. Um, Johnson has been the more effective out of the two. He's got four tackles for a loss on the season. But they're both pretty solid at clogging up the run. Uh, I kind of see them as not quite as good as Tuli Nasanoa, But in that sense, you know, they play – they have a similar style. They both each just eat space, clog holes, you know, and they get pushed for their linebackers to come up. Unfortunately, their linebackers haven't been great at making tackles this year. But that's kind of what they do. That is their role. And then, obviously, I think their most dynamic player on the defensive side in this game is going to be Carson Wells. Uh, Wells has 10.5 tackles for a loss this season. So, once a game, you're going to see him in the backfield making a big play at least. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's you know that's a pretty impressive statistic based on how effective and how often he gets back there. Four and a half sacks on the season, so he'll get and hit the quarterback. So, I think Jackson Kirkland, he had a monster game against Kayvon Thibodeau against Oregon. I think if he's able to do this against... Wells, I think they'll be. I think they'll be just fine. But you know that that combination of 
Kern Melee, whatever's out there, they got to help hold their own too uh, against this guy because he's he's very good off the edge. And I think Washington, you know, unlike Arizona State where they are more outside, where they went outside of the tackles um, and were being really creative, I think they got to go right at them uh, this game or opposite of Wells just because that's the guy who's going to be able to make plays and force uh, force a loss. So, yeah, overall, I think you got to be real creative with your playbook against a team like this. Yeah, great. Thank you for that explanation. I appreciate it. Uh, I don't know if this is – but you mentioned, obviously, early in the season, Colorado's defense was looking tough. Uh, you mentioned the Texas A&M game, which was a heartbreaker, but they were competitive the whole time. Really, since that game, other than a shutout against Arizona, yeah. who is Arizona, uh, it's been, like you said, 35, 42 – 31 uh like was that texas a&m game a backbreaker you know well, like the thing is though, they've had like halves where you've been like wow they are really in this game like yeah. against oregon they were right they were colorado up until halftime was right in the game kind of like arizona was and then all of a sudden oregon just decides to really put the oregon yeah, it's like it, I, it's like what are you gonna see and then washington's offense we don't know you know it's like okay yeah what are we gonna put out there so Colorado, it's like, all right, if they are able to put out the product they put against Texas A&M in some some first quarters, first halves against some teams, they're gonna they're gonna be solid. But you know, then again, there's gonna be these where they just start pulling out the gun and shooting themselves in the foot repeatedly. It's like, what are we gonna see? Yeah. Okay. Great. So you mentioned obviously losing Landerman in the middle, very tough for Colorado. They do have two strong safeties, but by strong safeties, I mean talented safeties. Yeah. Um, but. How do you isolate that, I guess, if you're the Huskies? Like you said, they're they're susceptible to being beat deep. Do you just have to go on the outsides? Yeah, if you're going uh, deep, I think you go on the outsides just because those two are so effective across the middle. Um, yeah. So if you're, if you're looking at the field, you're painting zones, essentially. I think you look at the outside, you paint that zone as something where Washington on the outside on near the near the sidelines is Washington where they they could be able to make, an, make a big impact. You know, play action, get those safeties coming up outside deep stuff like that. And then obviously in, in, in front of the linebackers where those basically where those safeties are, you know, make them cover ground, yeah. make them, make them be running all over the place and then use that run game. Like I said, you know, run the ball, get into the get those linebackers. So the safety start creeping up. Then you go play action, take a deep shot, Morris, Bynum touchdown. So speaking of, don't want to put you on the spot here, but weather forecast looking kind of nice. Jack is calling for some, maybe more downfield action. People, it seems, in Husky Nation have been calling for potential changes or maybe seeing a, a certain quarterback get a little more playing time. Is that a possibility in this game, putting you on the spot? I do not think so. I do not think we'll be seeing Sling and Sammy this game. Uh, I, I, you know, I think I think they're gonna, I think they're going to want to keep his red shirt. You know, he's only played what three games now. He's played three games, so. Yeah, I think we'll be seeing him in the Apple Cup. Uh, I, I think I think we'll be seeing him in the Apple Cup. I think they're going to let Morris do this one, and then I think this is I think Morris is on a really short leash. Don't get me wrong, because um, if he does start, it's a competitive game. I wouldn't be surprised if they. Oh man, I think it's a it's it's a really close call because I think this one's up to Sam. I really do believe that it's saying, "Hey, Sam, do you want a red shirt or do you want to go out and play?" And I think it's going to be all right. It's tied ten to ten in the fourth quarter. Offense offense hasn't moved the ball since halfway in the first quarter. You you know what I mean? I think that's kind of what it's going to be like. But regardless, I think Morse is on a short leash. Awesome. So, thanks for the breakdown of Colorado's defense. 
Jack, as we always do, confidence intervals. How are you feeling? I'm I'm feeling pretty solid about this one. I think Washington. I think they had a pretty solid effort against Arizona State. I think I don't think this locker room's quite finished yet. They're fighting for bowl eligibility. I'm going with a six point five college confidence interval. I was battling between six point five seven, but you know Colorado's ground game is really tough, and it's Washington has yet to prove stuff on the ground and yeah. are defensively on the ground stopping the run. So I think it's kind of one of those things where I'm I'm trusting them to contain it, not stop it, contain it enough, just enough to win. I think yeah. I said it in my uh, game prediction. Uh, I'm just going to say right now, I think Washington starts out like they did against Arizona State really hot and cools off, and I think it's where the defense is. It, are they going to stand up and hold, or are they going to fold like a Kmart deck chair? Which one is it going to be? Gosh, okay, I like that. My confidence interval is pretty high as well. I'm going to go with a seven. Uh, watch, like The Huskies should win this game. Um, like you said, there's still a lot to play for. They're just like, I don't know, they're a better team. So that's, I'm confident. Again, Colorado runs the ball well, or they have a great running back, but this is still a team that has averaged under six yards or under four yards of carry uh, for the season. I think the Huskies, I don't think that will be enough to overpower a defense that struggled against the run a little bit. And then for that reason, I, I would, I don't know. I think it's the first team to 20, and I don't think Colorado is capable of scoring 20. So. Uh, I guess that's where I'll put it. Uh, but great. Obviously, Huskies play Saturday at noon, correct, against Colorado. Earlier um, game for them, earlier earlier one this year. Yeah. So, uh, as always, dogman.com pre-post and in-game coverage. Like Jack mentioned, Husky Hoops is in full swing, so dogman.com for there as well. Uh, go Ducks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>